I read a story recently about a Catholic school teacher who wanted to teach her students an important lesson about forgiveness. So she asked them to bring two items to school one day. The first was a large, sturdy plastic bag. The second was a sack of potatoes from the local grocery store. And for every person they could think of whom they refused to forgive, the students were instructed to take one potato out of the sack, write the person's name on it, and then place it in the plastic bag. Well, unfortunately, some of the students ended up with plastic bags that contained several potatoes. And I say unfortunately because the teacher then told them that they'd have to carry that bag of potatoes around with them for an entire week. She said to them, you have to take these everywhere you go and you have to keep that bag over your shoulder as often as possible. You have to take those potatoes with you when you visit your friends, when you do your chores, when you play, when you eat, when you do your homework. You even have to put them beside you in bed at night when you go to sleep. Well, as you might imagine, those young people learned a very important lesson about forgiveness by first learning an important lesson about the consequences of unforgiveness. Carrying that bag of potatoes all week made those students miserable, which is exactly what unforgiveness does to us when we let it enter our hearts and allow it to fester and grow and take root there. And I'll bet that's happened to almost all of us at some point in our lives with respect to at least one other person. In addition to being a sin, and potentially a very serious one, refusing to forgive other people drags us down, spiritually, certainly, but also mentally and emotionally. I think Jesus made this very point in Matthew 18 when he told that famous parable about a man who was forgiven a huge debt by his master, but who then refused to forgive the debt of a fellow servant who owed him a mere fraction of what he had owed his master. When the master found out about the unforgiving servant, the Bible says he, quote-unquote, handed him over to the torturers until he paid back what he owed. It's a very interesting image. I heard a preacher one day speak about this text in a sermon and he commented on that line by saying, do you know what the torturers are? He said the torturers are depression, anger, anxiety, confusion, and the like. He said these are the things that literally torture us when we refuse to forgive other people in our lives. It's a very powerful thought, and I've never forgotten it. One man who would certainly agree with this is the prophet Jonah, or more properly speaking, the reluctant prophet Jonah. We heard a short excerpt from his story in today's first reading. Your assignment for the week, by the way, is to open your Bible sometime during the next seven days and read the rest of the book of Jonah. Read it from beginning to end. But Father Ray, I don't have time to do that. 
Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> the book of Jonah is one of the shortest books in the Bible. It's about three pages long, including the introduction. And I'll let you go. You don't have to read the introduction if you don't want to. So don't tell me you don't have time to do it. Even though I'm going to speak about it today, it's a great meditation. So please, make every effort to do that. The verses we heard this morning actually occur in the middle of the book. Here, as we heard a few moments ago, God commands Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and to preach a message of repentance. And Jonah goes, which is what he did not do the first time God told him to go to Nineveh. See, this is the second time God called him. After that initial call, what did Jonah do? He ran away in the opposite direction, away from Nineveh. Why? Because he hated the Ninevites, that's why. He detested them. See, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, which was the arch enemy of the nation of Israel at the time. And Jonah knew God. He knew God was just, yes, but he also knew that God was merciful and forgiving. And Jonah had the sneaking suspicion that if he went to the Ninevites and told them to repent, and they did repent, he had the sneaking suspicion that God would forgive them and not allow their city to be destroyed. But Jonah wanted the city to be destroyed. He wanted to see them wiped out. He wanted to see Nineveh go up in flames like Sodom and Gomorrah had many years earlier. So he ran away. Actually, he sailed away on a ship that was headed west toward Tarshish. God said, eh, not so fast, Jonah. He sent a big storm onto the sea. Jonah, in the middle of it, was tossed overboard. He was swallowed by a gigantic fish. Most of us know the details at this point of the story. Sometimes the fish is called a whale. And the whale kept Jonah in his belly for three days and three nights. Finally, God commanded the big fish to spew Jonah up onto the shore, which the fish does. And that's where today's first reading picks up the story. The Lord, in effect, says to Jonah, Okay, my friend, let's try this a second time. Go to the people of Nineveh and tell them that unless they repent, in 40 days their city will be destroyed. Now, to his credit, Jonah learned the lesson. He learned it was probably not advisable to disobey God a second time. So as we heard a few moments ago, he did go to Nineveh. Albeit begrudgingly, I'm sure he mumbled to himself the whole way there. He delivered the message. And almost immediately, we are told, the whole place repented. You know, Jonah is the envy of every person who has ever mounted a pulpit to preach. I mean, I'd be happy if half the people in the congregation took the message to heart and really lived it. I'd be thankful. Here, the whole place, the whole city responds in one day, which, of course, was precisely what Jonah did not want to happen. And it's at that point in the story that the torturers, the torturers that Jesus talks about in Matthew 18, enter Jonah's heart full force. In particular, depression and anger. Jonah whined, he pouted, he sulked. He told God he had a right to be angry. 
I don't know where Jonah got that right from, but he claimed he had it. And it got so bad that he actually prayed to die. He said, I can't take this anymore, Lord. Just please take my life. You know, I've read this story a number of times and the thought has occurred to me, I wonder how many people have taken their own lives because of unforgiveness. They let it fester and grow and drag them down to the point where life they don't think is worth living anymore. How sad. Jonah had the choice between forgiveness and freedom on the one hand and unforgiveness and torture on the other. And he chose the latter. In fact, Jonah was more concerned about a dead plant which died when he was sulking under it one day than he was about the thousands of people who lived in Nineveh, all of whom would have died had they not repented. The Lord said, and here I quote, Jonah, you are concerned over this plant, which cost you no labor and which you did not raise. It came up in one night and in one night it perished. And should I not be concerned over Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot distinguish their right hand from their left, not to mention the many cattle. Now that, my brothers and sisters, is where the story ends. What I just read to you is the last line of the book of Jonah, which leaves inquiring minds like mine wondering, well, what happened? Did Jonah eventually get the message? Did he change? Did he allow God's words to soften his heart? Did he finally forgive the Ninevites and find freedom from his anger and depression? Or did he stubbornly cling to his unforgiveness and allow the torturers to kill him? Literally, from the inside out. We don't know. The Holy Spirit, through the sacred author of this book of the Bible, hasn't told us. Which is not a mistake. Nor is it a coincidence. You see, I believe the book of Jonah ends the way it does because God doesn't want us to focus so much on Jonah's situation all those years ago. He wants each and every one of us to focus on our situation right now. He wants us to read this story, this short story, this very entertaining story, and then reflect on how we are currently responding to the people who hurt us at work, at school, in other places, or even, I dare say, in our own families. You see, whether we realize it or not, the, the choice Jonah faced all those years ago is the very same one we face when someone offends us now. Forgiveness and freedom, or unforgiveness and the torturers. Let us pray at this Mass that making the right choice, the choice to forgive, will always be a lot easier for us than it was for poor old Jonah.